What is the meaning of life? What's the point of it all? What's the point of my existence, of your existence, of the world? Have you ever asked a question like that? Maybe not. Maybe you're just stuck in the habit of living. The momentum of life is sweeping you along. You just got up this morning because you had stuff to do and you wanted to get on with doing it. But have you ever paused to think, what is the meaning of life? That's our question today. That's one of the questions somebody came to ask Jesus. Have you ever asked that question of your own life? Really is a question we should ask. I mean, imagine if I bumped into you in Tesco's tomorrow afternoon, we had a little catch up, talked about how we're finding lockdown. And then at the end of the conversation, as we're about to say goodbye, I say, all right, then see you at the train station tomorrow morning, half past six. What would your next question be? We hadn't mentioned it in our conversation. You had no idea that I was going to invite you on a trip or something. So you want to ask why, wouldn't you? Why would I give up a lie in? I don't want to waste my time doing something I don't want to do. So why do you want me to meet you at the train station tomorrow morning? We'd ask that question about a little day trip, about missing a lion. So why don't we ask that question more often about our whole lives? We don't want to waste our lives, do we? So that means we really need to know the purpose of them. Why are we here and what should we be doing and who am I and who, sh who should I be? Well, it's an important question. It's maybe even a f fundamental question. You see, I heard a story a while ago of a doctor in America who worked in a care home and he was, he was sick of it, sick of seeing his, um, his residents withering and dying and suffering. So he decided he would do something about it. Didn't ask the authorities, but one day he started on the process of moving things into the care home. So he brought in cats and dogs and parakeets and parrots and all sorts of different kinds of pets. And then he moved in plants and started a, a vegetable garden and flowers and all sorts of things and gave all of the residents a job to do. Every single floor, every room, every place was filled with things to do. Animals to feed, plants to water, uh, flowers to tend. And do you know what happened? Over the course of the next year, there was a 20% drop in the annual death rate and a 38% drop in the use of psychotropic medication. It was, a, it was a triumph. It was amazing. Well, why? Why was that? Why did it work so well? Because, because those residents had a purpose. They had a reason to live. I mean, it was a small thing, a little dog, a cat, a plant, but it helped them. It helped them to realize, to feel that there was something beyond themselves, that something I do lives beyond my life. Something I do makes a difference. It gave them a purpose. And like I said, I think that's a fundamental human need, isn't it? You know, we need water, we need food, we need forgiveness, like we said a few weeks ago, but we really also need a purpose. We need a reason for living. In our culture, we make our own purpose. I wonder what yours is. I wonder what your meaning in life is. Maybe if you've never even thought about that question, you could think about it now. Uh, what's your meaning? Maybe it's to achieve something. Maybe it's to make a difference, to do something to, I don't know, invent a useful technology or a cure for cancer. Maybe that's what you're looking forward to. Maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's more about achievement and success and prosperity and recognition and kind of wanting to be somebody. Maybe that's not it for you. Maybe it's relationships and family. Maybe it's growing a big family and having lots of kids, or maybe it's just keeping the family together at the moment. Maybe that's what you're living for. Or, or maybe you just enjoy life. That's what you, you really look forward to every day, is the stuff that gives you a buzz. Maybe it's experiences, maybe it's food, 
maybe it's travel and so you're a little bit frustrated at the moment that we can't really go anywhere enormously interesting maybe it's i don't know any of the above maybe it's love maybe you have no idea well here's some questions maybe to help you think about it what do you dream about I mean, not in the kind of dreams you can't control in the, in, in the night, but when you're lying there in bed and thinking about, dreaming about the future, what is it that you think about and hope for? What is it that you spend your time in? What, what's, what is it that you invest in, whether that's time or money or effort or emotional energy? Or flip the question around, what do you worry about losing the most? What is it that really makes you anxious to think about losing it or never getting it in the first place? Well, those answers to those questions, that's probably what you're living for. That's probably what's getting you out of bed in the morning. That's your meaning. So here's a question I want you to ask. Is that meaning durable? Will it last? Whatever it is that that you're living for at the moment, is it something that can handle the ups and downs of life? Is it something that that's durable, that can handle suffering? Is it something that can be taken away and leave you meaningless? Or is it something that can last even through the most difficult storms of life? Why don't we think about that for a moment? What is it that we're living for? What's my meaning? And will whatever that is, will it last even through the deepest sufferings of life? From Mark 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, You shall love your neighbour as yourself, there is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbour as oneself, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Well, I wonder how you found that. It can be a tricky thing, can't it? Trying to work out where I find meaning. It can be an uncomfortable thing as well when we realise these foundations we've put down, these foundations we're trying to build on are actually quite fragile. They can be washed away by a financial crisis, by a pandemic. And by a family tragedy, things that we just can't see coming. But even worse than that sometimes is that when we put the whole weight of our hopes and dreams, all of our ambitions and desires onto a, a thing in this world, onto a person, an ambition, a job, sometimes that crushes what was beautiful and makes it into something really unpleasant. Think of um, these words from a man called David Foster Wallace. He was an atheist and an author in, in America. He, um, he said this to a graduating class of university students. He warned them and he, he said, you need to worship the transcendent, you know, something much bigger beyond this world, beyond yourself or else, pretty much anything else, 
will wor- that you worship will eat you alive. He's talking about worship as, as what we do when we give our whole lives to something, as this foundation that we, that we build on, you know, something that's almost tied to your soul, something you give yourself to, that all your hopes and dreams are tied up in that. That's what he calls worship. So he says, if you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you'll never have enough. You'll never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure and you'll always feel ugly. And when the time and age start showing, you'll die a million deaths before they finally plant you. Worship power and you'll feel weak and afraid. And you'll need even more power over others to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect being seen as smart and you'll end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out and so on. Did you see what he's saying? He's saying, look for meaning in anything in this world and it'll let you down. It'll crush you or you'll crush it and it'll disappoint you. You'll, you'll be left with bitterness. So where do we go? Where do we need to go for real, true meaning? Well, no prizes for guessing where. We need to go to God. We need to go to the God who made us. That's what the man does in the story that we read. Um, He takes his question to Jesus. By the way, that's a very good idea. If you've got big questions about life especially, it's a good idea to take them to Jesus. What does he say? Well, he says, Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? That's basically his way of saying, what's my life all about? What should I be doing on this earth? What's the meaning of life? This man was a scholar. He was a scholar of the, of the Hebrew Bible, of, of all the commands that God had given to people. And his group of scholars had decided there were 613, counted them up, 613. That's a lot of commands. So which one is the command? Come on, Jesus, boil it down for us. Help us understand, because this is their view that God made the world, God made me and you and everybody, and so God must know what we're here for. He's the one who made people, so he's the one who knows what the purpose of people must be. And so he gives us all these commands. He tells us how we should live, what we should do. He tells us who we are, what we should be. So go on, Jesus. Boil it down for us. It can get a bit complicated with all those 613. Can you summarise it? And Jesus says, yes, this is it. The most important is, this is what your life is all about, Well, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God. That's the baseline. And you shall love that God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second is this, two for one, you shall love your neighbour as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Jesus boils it down to one principle, love. Love for God and love for people, the people that he's made. That's a great place to start. And it's a great place to finish because if you think about it, it just encompasses everything. That's all of life. My heart is the deepest part of me. It's my emotions, but it's more than that. It's my desires, it's my will, it's kind of what I want to do, it's my ambitions, it's my hopes and dreams. It's, if I was a a cup of coffee, it's it's me as, as pure black coffee, nothing else, no sugar, no milk, no foam, no any strange things, just, me at my black coffee purist. That's what you are deep down in your heart. And Jesus says, you want real meaning? You want to know who you are? That needs to be given to God. And not just your depth, but your breadth as well. Your wholeness, everything you are, your soul. Your soul is your being. It's your livingness. It's maybe we call it our consciousness, but it's 
It's more than that. It's your body and everything that you are and your strength. Well, that's all that you own. Everything you have authority over, everything that you have influence over. It's Jesus is saying, if you want to know meaning, if you want to know who you are and what you're here for, this is it. To know your maker, to love him, to give him everything that you are, because he's given everything that you are. He gave you your heart. And so give it back to him. He gave you your livingness, your soul. And so offer it back to him. He gave you all of your possessions and everything around you. So do whatever you can with all of your strength to direct that back to him. That's what your life is all about. He made you. He loves you. He's given so much to you. So offer it back. Give it to him. Complete the circle of sacrificial giving love. But I wonder if we're struggling with that. I wonder if we think, I mean, why would God want us to do that? Is he a, I don't know, is he a needy God? Is he, is he kind of insecure and unsure of himself so much so that he just creates a world of people to kind of clap him and, and think that he's amazing? That, that's a, do I really want to worship a God like that? Why is he so interested about having my love, needing me? It's a bit of a strange thing, but really that's, that's not what he's saying. It's a command that we're given, but it's also an invitation. It's an invitation to live according to reality, isn't it? To live according to, to the way that we're made, to cut with the grain of life. That God is the one who made you and gave himself to you. That you are made for intimacy with him. That your heart is a reflection of his heart in the way that you feel and love and give. That your life is a reflection of his life. And so you're only really fully you and fully human when you give yourself back to him. You see, it's a command. You should do this. It's right that you do this because he's given you you. So give yourself back to him. It's a command, but it's, it's also an invitation. It's an invitation to know life in all of its fullness. It's an invitation to know, to know joy. To know a God who walks with you in the cool of the day. A God who will come down as you pray to him and speak to you through his word, speak to you by his spirit and walk with you through through the joys of life and make them even more joyful and through the, the dark valleys, the shadows of life and bring you through them and make you better by them and, and give a reason to suffering and give a reason for life and meaning to even the worst things that we go through. You see, this is what you're made for. Heart, soul, mind and strength given to him as he's given everything to you. So he's not a needy God. He doesn't need anything. He's God. He made the world out of an overflow of desire because he just loves us and wants to share his life. So will you accept that invitation? Will you obey that command and say, yes, I want to come and know you. But maybe we've got another problem. Maybe we realise that maybe especially in our culture, we're really not very good at this. I mean, giving ourselves completely, committing ourselves exclusively to to things. We're not good at that. Our culture presents us with like an apple tree of choices in everything you could think of from food and clothes and jobs and basically anything. We're free to choose in our culture, or at least we think we are. And and so we end up getting paralysed by that freedom, don't we? We're standing at the bottom of the apple tree looking up at all these apples within our reach and thinking, where do I even begin? We're not good at committing because if I took that apple, then I would miss out on that one. And so if I worship this God, if I give him everything I have and am, well, what else do I have left for other things? And so we're reluctant 
to commit to him. But then the problem actually goes deeper. It's not just that we're reluctant to commit. It's that, it's that we don't want to commit. We don't want him over us. We don't want him ruling our lives. We don't want him telling us what to do. And so we walk away from him. And we walk away from life. We walk away from our hearts being given to him. And we walk away from this fullness of knowing knowing our, our, our creator. And that leaves us in deep water. It leaves us having betrayed God. It leaves us as not as fully us as what we could be. It leaves us far away from God in darkness, wondering what on earth we're here for. And so what on earth do we do in that kind of situation? Well, we need to come and realise who, who this Jesus is that this man asked the question of. See, he thinks he's a teacher, doesn't he? He comes along and he says, oh, teacher, would you tell me, would you teach me something about the meaning of life? Would you teach me which is the heaviest, greatest commandment? Teach me what I should do. And Jesus says, when the man likes the sound of his teaching, when he says, yeah, I'm going to follow that, and says, you know, it's not sacrifices and religious stuff that God wants, really. He wants our hearts. I agree with you, Jesus. What does Jesus say? He says, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. Well, who gets to decide who's far and who's near to the kingdom of heaven? Who gets to decide who's in and who's out of a kingdom? It's the king. So who is Jesus saying that he is? Who, who is this who's being asked the question about the meaning of life? It's, it's the king, not just some teacher who could teach you something. It's the one that you were made for. Do you see, you weren't just made for God, some abstract being out there. You were made to know Jesus. The purpose of your life is a person. The purpose of your life is to come and be a part of Jesus's kingdom and to get to know him. And as you get to know him, to love the people that he made, to love all uh, that he is and to love all that he's made. But how do we do that when we're scared of commitment? How do we do that when we've betrayed him and turned our backs on him? Well, we need to know what kind of king this is. You need to know that a few pages down the line, you could read it this afternoon, this king, this God, goes to a cross and gives his heart for you, pours it out, literally and metaphorically, gives everything that he is and dies, gives his soul up, breathes his last and screams out, it's finished, and he dies, gives all of his strength. He's pinned down. He can't do anything. He's left there to die. God the Father turns his face away and Jesus dies in darkness because he loves you with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. He used it all up, poured it all out for you to take away all of that betrayal, to take away all of that sin, all of that darkness, so that you could have a new heart. You could have new life. You could come and know the God that you were made to know. He treated you like a neighbour. He loved you as he loved himself. And then he calls you to come and do the same, to come and know new life in him, to come and, and have your relationships with your, with your kids transformed so that you would give yourself sacrificially as a good neighbour to them. I mean, it, it's sacrifice, isn't it, to do that kind of thing, to pour yourself out for a kid and, and read the same story over and over and over again to them. But it's beautiful. As you sacrifice, as you give yourself to that little neighbour, your child, your grandchild, that other child that you know, as you give yourself, your life, your time for them, they learn language as you read to them. They learn right and wrong as you chat to them. 
They learn about this God who's wonderful as you point out his creation and as you say sorry to them when you do wrong things against them. And see, as you love your neighbour, it draws your neighbour to love the God that you love. As you love Jesus, it draws you to love other people sacrificially as he's loved you. It's when we realise that we've really not done a good job of this at all, that we're scared of commitment, that we've betrayed God, but that he has committed fully to us, that he has never betrayed us, but has loved us to the end, that he is the good neighbour, the good king, who welcomes even people like us into his kingdom. It's when you realise that, that you realise your meaning in life, that you realise you're made for a person, that you're made to know him, you're made for love, to love God and to love the people around you. So how are you doing at that today? Was that the meaning, the purpose that you identified right at the beginning? Well, if it isn't, then can I invite you to do what this man did, to come to the Lord Jesus, not just as a teacher who's going to give you some tidbits, some interesting things to think about, but come to him as your king and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I walked away from you. I'm sorry I've given my heart to all these different things. Would you help me to put you in the centre of my life? Think of your life as a big pizza, if you like. Only one thing can go in the centre of it. It's got to be Jesus. So we've got to come to him and say, Lord, I want to do great things with my life. I want to love others. I want to have a good family. I want to, to have a life that's full of meaning, but I know that starts with you. So I'm sorry for walking away from you. Would you have me back? Would you clean me up? Would you give me a new heart, a new life, and then use my strength and my body to love you and serve others? That's what we do this week. I wonder how you'll put that into practice, whether it'll be public in loving and serving others and, and giving up your time for them, whether that'll be private, something that is only between you and God, in what you do with your thumbs, on your phone, on your computer, in what you do with your, with your bank balance, in what you do with your time and your reading and your mind and your thinking and your seeing and think of every part of your body. How could I use that to serve you this week, Lord Jesus, to come to know love as you've loved me. See, in Jesus is wonder. Isn't it wonderful that he would do that for us? In Jesus is all truth. In Jesus is real love. And when you have those things, you have security. A God who's beyond this world, so he's not threatened by any kind of suffering. He's not threatened by Brexit or pandemics or political this or economic that or family tragedies. None of that will ever risk his love for you. So put yourself in his hands. Make him your meaning. Come to him and love him. Know that he loves you and then go and love others. Well, that's um, the end of what I have to say today. Why don't you come to the Lord Jesus in prayer with me now? Let's bring our lives to him. Let's take a moment to worship him in prayer and then we'll sing in a moment. And then let's go out from this place, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're listening, to love him with all that we are as best as we can to bring to him our failures and say, Lord, would you love me again? I'm so sorry. And then would you stir me up and strengthen me to go and love you and love others? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that in you is just wonder, in you is truth, in you is all love, and in you is security. Lord, only you can bring those things to us. Only you can make our lives have meaning, meaning that lasts through everything, through the best of life, through the deepest of trials. Lord, only you can bring us through those things and bring us through with joy. So we pray that you'd help us to stick to you. We pray that you'd help us to bring all of our failures to you. We pray that you'd help us to bring all our ambitions and desires, all of those things to you. 
Lord, in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, in our lives. Help us to lay them at your feet, knowing that you're the one who picks them up and gives them back to us, made even more beautiful, made eternal. Lord, we want to have a meaning and a purpose, not just for now, not just for this week, not just for our lives. We want to have a meaning that will stretch on with joy and wonder for a thousand years and into eternity. So would you give us that meaning today as we come to you? Lord, would you help us to know you, to know ourselves and to live, to love you and love others, we pray. Amen. Amen.